Hi there, friends. I am so grateful that you are with me again. This is our last part of our series, Balanced. And we've learned through this whole process is that you and I need to have a proper reference point. We need to know where our money's going. We also learned that we need to make constant corrections. Remember that? And then we know that we need to have a clear objective. And our clear objective with finances is to honor God. And so my prayer for you today is that you and I would really just, in everything that we do, that we would honor God with 100% of our finances. And so today we're going to end off this whole series. And today's message is called How to Be Rich. How to be rich. I mean, everyone wants to know the, the answer to that question. How to be rich. And I believe that one of the keys to being rich is to understand that everything flows from honoring God with everything we have. And there's a few, a few priorities that you need to have if you want to be rich. I believe effectively um, in, in, our, in this day, I believe that God wants us to get out and stay out of debt. Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the slave to the lender. We need to act our wage. It says in Proverbs 21, 20, it says, a foolish man devours all that he has. So if you just, if you just have no margin with your finances and you devour everything, that you're a foolish man. And then I believe that you and I need to be on a budget. We need to tell every single cent where it needs to go. And so Luke 14, verse 20 says, which of you intending to build a tower? does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. You and I need to be able to plan, manage our money, be able to count the cost, be able to budget, and, and, and literally give every single cent, every single dollar, every single pound, every rand, give it a name in Jesus' name. <laughs> and then we need to save and invest. That's very important. We need to be able to save and invest, and I'm going to talk about that today. It's absolutely powerful. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says, In the house of the wise, there are stores of choice food and oil. Isn't that amazing? There's more than enough in the house of the wise. Another scripture would say that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. God wants you and me to invest and save and be wise with that. Remember, in all of this, we need to be balanced. You can't only save and invest. You can't only, uh, you know, spend. You also need to be able to be wise in, in everything. There needs to be some, be some balance. And the last one, and I believe this is massive, is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 Verse 7, it says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And one of the key scriptures for this whole time, and I believe God wants you and me to be givers, one of the key scriptures for this whole time comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So when you and I have a lifestyle of honoring God, and we have a lifestyle of being rich, we're going to talk about being rich today. God blesses us abundantly so that in all things, at all times, isn't that amazing? In all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God wants you and me to have more than enough. God wants us to have um, enough so that in all things, at all times, that we'll have more than what we need and all that we need so that we can do the good works that He's called us to do. So just a, just, a few, just a little bit of a recap over the last few weeks. Number one, you need to understand your mindset around money is important. The way you think about money, your capacity for money needs to increase. And that comes from time in prayer. That comes from time in God's word. That comes from time through a, a message or a series like this. That comes from time in accountability, connecting with other believers. I believe we need to think right so that we can act right. And so we need to, to prioritize our finances right. And one of the keys to thinking right is to understand how big God is and that God is the God of abundance and that God's the God that provides and that God's got, He's not the God of just, just enough. He's the God of more than enough. 
and that you and I need to be faithful with worldly wealth, the Bible says, so that we can be trusted with eternal riches. We need to build our finances around the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means that we need to build our finances around what Jesus did for us on the cross and who God is and who Christ has called us to be and what he's done for us. And that means that, that we, we know that Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says that Christ became poor for us so that through his poverty we might become rich. That's part of the gospel, building your life around, knowing that God wants to provide for you. Also, that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate debt for us on the cross, so he paid the eternal debt so that we can also not only have eternal debt paid, but that we can live debt-free, even financially. And then last week was so powerful that Jesus loved us first by giving his life to us first. And so now through, by using the principle of the tithe, we put Jesus first, we put God first, and we honor him with everything. We honor him first. And I believe that we don't, we cannot be financially balanced without faith. And so God wants you and me to walk by faith and not by sight. Now we're going to unpack 1 Timothy chapter 6, a few verses from there. And then at the end, we're going to look at one of, I believe, one of the richest people in the scriptures. And it says in verse 6 of 1 Timothy 6, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Isn't that amazing? Friends, if you want to really be well off financially, you need to trust God for contentment. And that flows from godliness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment means that you're grateful, you're thankful, and you appreciate what you got. You're not constantly running after stuff, but you know that God is your source and that He is more than enough for you. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He says, for we brought nothing into the world, verse 7, and we can take nothing out of it. But we have food and clothing and we will be content with that. Verse 9 says, those who want to get rich, not those who want to be rich, those who want to get rich. <laughs> There's a big difference for me today. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And I've seen it so many times. I've even been one of those. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So love, uh, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money. I would describe the love of money as it's almost described in that word mammon because it's this dr drive to love, worship, trust in money. He says the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. I've seen marriages destroyed because of the love of money. I've seen families destroyed because of the love of money. I've seen children and parent relationships destroyed because of the love of money. I've seen amazing businesses destroyed. I've even seen churches destroyed because of the love of money. Some people, the Bible says, eager for money, so they're eager to get more. Remember that now, they want to get rich. Have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That's why I believe one of the fundamental realities with financial management is faith. And what happens is, friends, when you start trusting in money and when you start loving money and you start pursuing money, you know what you do? You're drifting away from faith. But when you, when, when you believe in God, we trust God, you put God first, you honor Him, you use the tithe, you actually trust God, you're content, you're thankful. You know what happens? You're drifting in faith. You, 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 you're pulling towards faith. And so it says here, it says they pierced themselves with many griefs. They wandered from the faith. And I've seen so many people, they get caught up in finances, they get caught up in stuff, buying the next thing, looking good, driving something good, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. And guess what happens? They drift from the faith. Verse 17 of 1 Timothy 6 says, Command those who are rich. So today, by the grace of God, because of the word of God, I'm going to command you and I'm going to command me because most of us are rich. If you have a car, if you're living, if you've got running hot water 
and you're living in a, in a house, uh, you are in the top 7% of the, of the planet. So you are not poor. You might say, Mark, I feel poor because I've got debt and I feel poor because I can't pay everything. But the truth is, you're not as poor. It's, it's like you have food. If you're not worrying about where your next meal is going to come from, you're not poor. <laughs> Those that are, he's, he's actually saying we need to command the rich. So that means that's most of us. He says in this present world, not to be arrogant. See, sometimes what happens is when we have, when we don't, when, when we end up becoming quite arrogant and full of ourselves, nor to put their hope in wealth. Now, we've seen with COVID-19, we've seen with the housing market, with the bubble, the whole world the, uh, coming to literally to a, a, a big crisis in 2008. We've seen with World War I, World War II. We've seen with pandemics in the past. We've seen with financial crises that there's no certainty in wealth. We can't put our hope in wealth. It says it's so uncertain, which is so uncertain. I'm here to say to you, friends, you might say, but Mark, I've got millions in the bank. Friends, that's uncertain. I've spoken to friends of mine in Zimbabwe that had, that had good savings and they had great investments. But because of what happened politically, all the investments was taken away from them. Some people had great farms and they had property and they had assets and everything was taken away from them because it's uncertain, friends. The only thing that's certain is Jesus Christ and his word that will never fail. It's the only thing that's certain. He says, but to put their hope in God. So don't put your hope in money. Don't put your hope in in currency and in, in commodities. Don't put your hope in that. He says, put your hope in God. Who richly, He provides richly, He prov who richly provides us with everything. He provides everything to us. And listen to this, friends. He doesn't only provide our needs. He also provides for our enjoyment. He says everything for our enjoyment. There's nothing wrong. We saw this in week one. There's nothing wrong with you and me enjoying the wealth and the provision of God. There's nothing wrong with that. The key is that when that money starts taking hold of us and starts creeping into our hearts, it, it robs us of our relationship with God and our intimacy with God. Verse 18 says, command them to do good. So how can you and I stay free from this? How can we stay free from chasing this? Is we focus on Jesus and we, we understand that we're not blessed to be blessed. We understand that we're blessed to be a blessing. It says here, to be rich. Can you say be rich? in good deeds. So God wants each and every one of us to be rich. Yeah, God wants you to be rich. I'm talking to you. It's amazing. He says, and to be generous and willing to share, like we saw in 2 Corinthians 9, God wants us to have more than enough so that we can, at every occasion, be able to do good works and to be rich. God wants you and me to be rich, to be generous, and to be willing to share. Not only able to share, but willing to share. God wants you and me to be rich. God's called each and every one of us to be rich, rich in good deeds, rich in sharing, rich in being gener generous, rich in eternal things, which I believe we can take our temporary finances and we can do some eternal good with our temporary money. And that redeems this stuff that is just here today and gone tomorrow. Verse 19 says of 1 Timothy 6, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves. Watch this. You can lay up a treasure for yourself. You can make an investment, an eternal investment, as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, tell the people that are rich, you've got an opportunity. I've spoken about this in the past, spoke about it last week, that when money comes into your account, finances, any kind of provision, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's also a test. What are you going to do? 
Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust yourself? Are you going to be generous or are you going to be selfish? It's a test. It's an opportunity. And I believe every single person writes that test. Uh, Robert Morris speaks about it. He says, actually, you and I write a test every single time money comes in. Who is your source? That's, your, that's the test that you write. And here he's saying, we, when money comes in, it's an opportunity for us to lay up treasures for eternity. He says we can take hold of eternal life. We, don't have, we can be liberated from the temporary and embrace the eternal. But sadly, what happens with most people is most people prioritize their finances around themselves. They don't prioritize their finances around Jesus. They don't prioritize their finances around the cross and around God. They prioritize their finances around Jesus, oh, about them, around themselves, sadly. So what they do is they first, when they get money, they spend first. They live first. Secondly, they might, they might secondly uh, pay some of their debt. Thirdly, they might pay some taxes, you know, because we have to pay Uncle Sam or we have to pay the revenue service. Fourthly, they might save a little bit. And then fifthly, they might give some to God. But the first person that they care about is themselves. Now, Andy Stanley speaks about it powerfully. He says, if you had to put who benefits from these next to it, you'd say me because spending, living is for me. Debt is for me because it's stuff that I buy for myself. Taxes, that's for all of us, for we, that's for the government and for us all to have roads and, and all that kind of stuff, services. And then he says, saving is for me because I want to be able to look after my future. And then lastly, giving is for God. So he's saying, if you had to look at your priority list, you're clearly prioritizing yourself above God. But what God wants is God wants you and me to be liberated. God wants to empower us. God wants you and me to be liberated. He actually wants us to turn that around where we put God first, where God is at the top, where our saving is second, where we pay ourselves second, and then where we pay our taxes, where we pay our debt, and we also spend, we live. And so it's amazing how the scriptures teach this, that when, when, you, when, you, when you start right, everything goes right. But when you start wrong, many things go wrong. And that's what happens so easily. And so if you and I don't put God first, you know what happens? We'll never have money to be able to honor God. If we don't save second, we often don't have money to save. We don't have money to invest. Why? Because I've learned this. And my friend John Papuli teaches this so well. He actually says that you've got, you've got the conscious mind, you've got the subconscious mind, and then you've got the creative subconscious mind. That's how many, many psychologists would teach about the creative subconscious. Now, the creative subconscious mind works like this. It lies dormant until it's needed. So your conscious mind says to you, uh, you got, call it 10,000 in, and you, you're going to spend X and you're going to pay some debt and you're going to pay your tax and then you're going to save a little bit and maybe you'll give some to God. But that's your conscious mind. Then your subconscious mind says, maybe for my future I need to look after my future. Maybe I need to make a plan. So your subconscious mind talks to you and says, hey, you need to honor God as well. But your creative subconscious only works when it needs to work. And so what John and Papuli says, and I've seen this, and that's what many financial giants would say. They would say this. They would say, that if you don't pay God first, and if you don't pay yourself second, and you know what happens, you will never have you you, you you then 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 you will never have enough. Sorry, you'll never have enough because if you pay them last, you'll never honor them. You'll never get to them. That's what I wanted to say. So if you pay yourself and you pay your tax and your debt, and then you want to come to saving, you're like, oh, this month it's a little bit tight because you know we had to go on this trip and we had to do this, and I still had to buy that. So I'm not going to save. I have to put some tires on my car. I'm not going to save. Or I'm not going to give because there's not enough money left over. 
it's amazing how you'll never have enough money to save and never have enough money to give. But if you give to God first and you save second, you know what happens? Now you come to a place where you're like, I need to buy some food for my family. Oh, I need to pay some uh, utilities. Oh, I need to be able to, to put some fuel in the car. I need to put some gas in the tank or the fuel in the, in, the, in the car. So what happens is your creative subconscious starts working and then you start making a plan in order to get to that. Why? Because you have to have it. You have to pay the utilities. You have to put gas in the car. So your creative subconscious only works when you put it, put it in a place where it needs to work. And so what happens with most people is they never turn it around. And when you don't turn it around, your creative subconscious never works. And all that happens is you don't save and you don't give. And so I would like you, this is what Andy Stanley says, I want to ask you to say these three things after me. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. That's the order. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. You need to put this into your kids' heads. Give, save, live. If you and I give first, then we know God is our source. We trust Him. We put our hope in Him. Faith is activated. We build our lives around Him. We save second. God, we know that you called us to save. That's what your, your scriptures say. And if I don't put a percentage aside for saving, I'm not going to do it. And then I'm going to live on the rest. You know, it's amazing how you'll find a way to live on the rest if you give, save, live. And you know, it's amazing. Often people that give first, save second, they've got testimonies of how God provides for them to live. And most, most people say to me, but Mark, what's the amount? How much should I give? How much should I save? How much should I live on? Friends, I believe that you need to sit with someone, work out percentages. For Marie and myself, it's about 15% that we give, it's about 15% that we save, and it's about 70% that we live on. We try and live on 70%. Give 15, save 15, live on 70. What I've learned is, friends, is that if you, if you don't put, a, put like a, a, a limit there, you'll just spend more. So you've got to be able to have some self-control like we spoke about in this series. So I'm going to close with, I believe, one of the richest people that I believe she understood this. When you give first, you save second, you live last. I'm telling you, friends, you'll always have enough to live. It's a miracle. Artie Kendall said it. He said it's amazing how 100% without the blessing of God does not go as far as 90% with the blessing of God. It's like you just, you put God first and then you save second, you pay yourself second and you pay your family and your future second. It's amazing how you'll then have money for the rest. I want to encourage you to do some finance courses. This is obviously not extensive, but I want to read from Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Now you must understand this. I want to say this. Give, save, live. I want to say this, friends, that Jesus is very interested in how you give. He's interested in what you give. He watches our giving. This is important to God. Giving is extremely important to God. Verse 42 says, But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Now, I love this translation. It just says about these rich people in the eyes of the world and this poor lady, she's poor in the eyes of the world. But I believe that the rich people were poor in the eyes of Jesus and this lady was rich in the eyes of Jesus. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him. Jesus calls his disciples and he says to them, truly I tell you, this poor widow, in the eyes of the world she's poor, 
But in my eyes, she's a champion. She's a, she's a legend in my eyes. She has put more into the treasury than all the others. He's saying, Jesus is saying, now I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, did you count how much she put in? No, 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 it's not about how much she put in. It's about the faith. It's about the priority. It's about give, save, live. It's about God is first. God is number one. God is biggest. She took her eyes off her provision and she put her eyes on the provider. It says in verse 44, they gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty in everything and put in everything all that she had to live on. I want to talk to you today about the fact that even though you and I might go through seasons of lack, even in the midst of those seasons of not enough, God provides for us miraculously. I remember just not long ago, Marie and I didn't have uh, much left for the, for the month. It was just one of those tough months. We had unexpected expenses and some money came into our, ca- our account and we thought this is such a gift and such a blessing and then God challenged us to give it all to another local church, not the church that we were in, another local church. And we gave every single cent that we got as a gift. We gave that away. And friends, within literally hours of us giving that, God started opening up things and our creative subconscious started working and, and different kinds of inf- um, kind of provision flowed into our account. And I just realized that God is the God of the more than enough and God's the one that wants to provide for you. And I want to close with a story about a lady called Hattie Mae Wyatt. She was a six-year-old. She lived near Grace Baptist Church in Philadelphia, USA. The Sunday school was very crowded. Russell H. Conwell, the minister, told her that one day they would have buildings big enough to allow everyone to attend. She said, I hope you will. It was so crowded, I'm afraid to go there alone, he replied. When we, got, when we get the money, we will construct one large enough, uh, one large enough to get all the children in. Two years later, in 1886, Hattie May died. After the funeral, Hattie's mother gave the minister a little bag they had found under the daughter's pillow containing 57 cents in charge, uh, 57 cents in change that she had saved up. Alongside it was a note in her handwriting to help build a bigger to help build bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. This is a young girl, six years old, took all the money she could get, 57 cents, in 1886, and literally wrote, wrote a note saying this is so that more children can go to Sunday school. The minister changed all the money into pennies and offered each one for sale. He received $250 and 54 of the cents were given back. <laughs> the $250 was itself changed into pennies and sold by the newly formed Wyatt Might Society. In this way, her 57 cents kept on multiplying. 26 years later, in a talk entitled The History of the 57 Cents, the minister exp- exp- explained the results of her 57 cent donation. A church with a membership of over 5,600 people. A hospital where tens of thousands of people had been treated. 80,000 young people, listen to this friends, going through university. 2,000 people going out to preach the gospel. All this happened because Hattie May Wyatt invested her 57 cents. The theme of multiplication, friends, runs right through the Bible. God can take your little bit. God can take this young lady, 
Hattie May Wyatt. She was a rich young six-year-old. This widow was a rich lady because she learned how to become rich. Friends, could you take your little bit, your five loaves and your two fish, or your 57 cents, or your 57 dollars, or whatever it is, 57 rand, whatever it is, could you take your little bit? And you could you say, God, yes, I might not have everything in the world, but I am rich, and I want to be rich by giving the little bit that I have in this life, so that for eternity, there might be lives changed forever. Hattie May Wyatt changed the world for generations to come. You can be part of that as you and I prioritize our lives around Jesus. Remember, give, save, live. That's the way we're going to live this. That's the way we're going to do this. My prayer for you today is that you'll experience God's grace, that you'll experience His provision, and that this series would, would, would have been just a catalyst that got you going to say, God, I'm not going to manage my finances without faith. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to give. I'm going to save. I'm going to live for the glory of Jesus because I want to honor him. I want to know where my money's going and I'll make constant corrections. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for this word. I thank you for just testimonies like Hattie Mae Wyatt. And I pray that we would be like this widow that would not hold back, but that we'd be generous, that we'd be rich and that we'd be generous and that we'd be able to share and that we'll have abundance because you are our abundant God. In Jesus' mighty name. And those that are far from you, God, I pray today that each and every person watching far from you would have an encounter with you. In Jesus' name.